Well, today we're concluding our message series, Living in Light of the End. And God has privileged each of us to live in the last days. We're 2,000 years closer to the return of Jesus Christ than the apostles were who, who helped write the New Testament. And so before us lie very exciting times and, and dangerous, challenging times, I believe, because there's a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness that is ongoing. And I trust that this message series that we're in and the one immediately preceding it about the end times have helped to better prepare you for the challenges that we face in the future. All the messages are online. You can find them on our website as well if you missed any of them. Our final message today is called The Ultimate Wedding. We're going to look past the, the current spiritual warfare that's going on. We're going to look beyond the sacrifice and martyrs of the last days, which are actually happening in today's world and in greater frequency than many times in history. We're going to look beyond God's judgments that are still to come, and we're going to look at the very end of the story. It's a good ending. The Bible has a good ending. It's not a sad ending. It's a wonderful ending, provided that you're on the winning side of history. It's a good ending for some people. It's not so good for other people. To help us better understand the end of the story, I want to briefly tell you the story of the entire Bible in a few short minutes, and maybe a new way you may not have heard it before. You know, the story of the Bible at its heart is a love story. It's a love story. It's a love story between God and man. You see, God has always existed, but he wanted somebody to love. And so he created people in his own image. Why did he create people? He created them because he wanted to love them. He wanted to have a relationship with them. That's why God created people. And of course, he created this planet for a place for people to live on. He wanted to love people and he wanted them to be able to freely love him back. He wanted this wonderful love relationship with human beings. And so he created Adam and Eve, placed them in a paradise garden called Eden. And in Eden, he walked and talked with them, and they enjoyed this wonderful relationship. Everything was fine in paradise until a villain entered this story. A serpent came into this paradise, and he tempted Adam and Eve, to betray their trust with the God who loved them and to follow him in the things he tempted them to do. And Adam and Eve both sinned. They were seduced away from their first love and they, their relationship with God was broken. The love relationship that God had intended for them was broken. And mankind became trapped in a, a prison of sin. They became trapped to this tempter, to Satan. And there was no escape. And so if there was a villain in the story, what are we looking for next? A hero. We need a hero to defeat the villain. And so the hero came. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth became one of us because that was the only way he could rescue his true love, the people that he created. He wanted to rescue us, and so he came. 
And there was a battle between Jesus and Satan, the villain. And Satan had Jesus nailed to the cross and he thought he was done with him. He thought he was dead. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating the villain, defeating Satan. And so Jesus, our hero, now has made a way for every person to be rescued from this prison of sin, to be rescued from the clutches of this villain, and to be returned to a love relationship with God. Jesus made a way for every person who believes in Him and chooses to love Him back to have their freedom in this love relationship be restored. Now the villain has been mortally wounded, but yet he's still alive, he's still kicking, he's still tempting people. The battle is still raging until the very end of the last days when Jesus finally returns to take his true love to be with himself forever. He's going to defeat Satan once and for all and the very end of the story has the happiest of endings because Jesus and his true love, his bride, get married and live happily ever after. And so the story of the Bible is the basis of just about every story, everything you're ever going to watch or hear about. It has all the elements of it. And who is the bride of Christ? It's the church. It consists of believers of all time. If you're a believer here this morning, then you are part of the bride of Christ. And you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. Let's look at the first verse this morning. That was pretty quick. The whole Bible in three minutes, wasn't it? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. There's a white page in the middle of your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take it out. It has the verses written out there and an outline. And on the back of it is a study guide. I encourage you to go through that yourself to dig in a little more deeper with some questions. It says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So Jesus Christ, our hero, loved the church so much that he gave up his life to save us. He gave us his life for his true love so that he might one day marry a radiant bride in the ultimate wedding. So I'd like us to watch now a short video this is thinking about the Bride of Christ. So today we're going to talk about how we can prepare ourselves for this ultimate wedding. How to be sure we're ready. Because only those who are ready when Jesus returns are going to take part in that incredible wedding. And so today we're going to look at a couple of passages from the book of Revelation. The very last book in the Bible. We're going to look at some of the last chapters there to see how everything ends up. At the end time when Christ returns... Jesus is going to win the battle for his bride. Revelation 19, verse 6, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like the peals, loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. And this passage immediately follows God's judgment on evil Babylon. Immediately precedes Jesus coming on a white horse and conquering all his enemies and show, throwing them into the burning lake of fire. And so in verse 6, we see a great multitude in heaven with a great celebration, shouting hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty. He reigns victorious. His enemies are being defeated. And so heaven is not a quiet place. 
Heaven reverberates with the praises of God's people. Heaven is probably going to be the noisiest place you've ever been in, and you won't need any earplugs. I mean, it'll just be awesome. And if the battle for Jesus' bride has been won, then she has been rescued from her evil enemies, and it's time for the bride to make herself ready. Verse 7 and 8, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride, his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And so this is the culmination of history. This is what it's all about. This is why mankind was created in the first place. It's the ultimate wedding, the wedding of the Lamb, who is Jesus Christ, and His bride, which consists of all believers. Here we see the bride of Christ has made herself ready. She's been cleansed of her sin through the blood of Christ. She's been clothed in fine linen. And the Bible says that her clothing, her wedding dress, is the righteous acts of the saints. Now just to clarify for a minute, a saint is not somebody that somebody votes on whether they're a saint or not, that does this miracle or not. In the Bible, every believer is a saint. If you're a believer this morning, the Bible says you're a saint. Say, I'm a saint. Okay. <laughs> so, we're starting to get it. Some of us get it more than others. St. Richard right here, and we'll call him that from now on. The Bible teaches that every believer who loves Jesus is a saint. And so, the bride makes herself ready for this ultimate wedding. We're going to talk more about what these righteous acts are in a minute. The wedding supper is prepared. There's a wonderful wedding supper. Revelation 19.9, then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And so heaven is going to host this incredible supper, this incredible banquet, a wedding banquet for the wedding of the Lamb. And who's going to be invited? Only those who are believers, only those who are clothed in the white robes of righteousness. Jesus told the story in his ministry about this wedding banquet. And he said that many are going to try to get into this wedding supper. I mean, everybody's going to want to go. I mean, this is the thing. This is the event of eternity. Everybody's going to want to get in. But not everybody's going to get in. Some will try to get in and bang on the door, let me in to the wedding banquet. And they'll be turned away because... They're not wearing the proper attire. They're not wearing the robes of righteousness. And those without an invitation, those without the proper clothes, are going to be cast out. They're not going to be able to attend this wedding banquet. And so rather than being in this banquet celebration of the ultimate wedding, those who have not believed in Jesus in this life and so received their robes of righteousness, have not received an invitation to the banquet, we're going to be cast out into outer darkness and eternal fire, forever separated from the Lamb, forever separated from the presence of God. But those who take part in the wedding supper of the Lamb are going to be blessed, blessed beyond their imaginations. And so if you're a believer here this morning, first of all, you're a saint. Second, you're part of the bride of Christ. 
So how can we make ourselves ready? This passage speaks of the bride preparing herself with righteous acts. What are these righteous acts? Righteous acts are simply the things that you do, the things that you say in this life in obedience to Jesus Christ, in obedience to His instructions. You see, God has a plan for every day of your life. He has things for you to do. He has things for you to say. He has places for you to go. And as you follow that plan, as you follow that mission that he has for your life, you are acting righteously. You are clothing yourself with the righteous acts of following Jesus' instruction. And so make sure that every day you're getting ready for that ultimate wedding. You're getting ready for eternity by obeying everything that Jesus tells you to do through his word and through his spirit. Now, besides winning the battle for his bride, defeating every enemy, putting them under his feet, what else is Jesus doing? Well, Jesus is preparing a home for his bride. Anybody here ever a bride? Do you, would you like your bridegroom to prepare a wonderful home for you to live in? It would be the dream of every bride, would it not? Revelation 21, verse 1 and 2, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And so Jesus is preparing a wonderful home for his bride, a place perfectly suited for him and his bride to live in, not just for a year or two, but forever, for eternity our present heaven and earth are not created to last forever. The Bible tells us that our present heaven and earth are winding down. They're decaying. They're not created to last forever. They have a limited lifespan. But that's no problem with Jesus. He created heaven and earth, and now he's going to create a new heavens and new earth for his bride, for every believer who loves Jesus Christ. I've said that a couple times, for every believer who loves Jesus Christ. And there are no other kinds of believers, are they? If you're a believer, then you love Jesus. And he is first place in your life and in your heart. Now in this vision, the Apostle John sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven to earth, landing on the new earth. And so in the new creation, there's no barriers between heaven and earth. Right now, there's a kind of a big chasm between heaven and earth. Oh, we can't just go up to heaven and come back down. But in the new heavens and new earth, there's not going to be any barriers. The two will flow together and our resurrected bodies, which we talked about a few weeks ago, are going to be perfectly fitted for the new heavens and the new earth, for our new home. These verses tell us that the holy city is prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And so this holy city represents the bride of Christ, prepared for the ultimate wedding. And in this home that Jesus has prepared, every enemy is going to be removed or will have been removed. Verse 3 and 4, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. In this life, on this earth, we face a lot of enemies. 
But in the home that Jesus is preparing for us, all enemies will be removed. Our lives will be walking and talking with God. Just as Adam and Eve did in that original paradise in Eden. It will be paradise restored. And God will remove all sadness. He'll remove death. He'll remove sickness. He'll remove crying. He'll remove pain, suffering, mourning. All the things that make life difficult and unpleasant. It will literally be heaven on earth. Heaven merging with earth. In other words, everything will be made new. Verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Underline that word, new. Then he said, write this down, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so God will make everything, with nothing accepted, everything new. Everything that's old, everything that's worn out, everything that's contaminated with sin will be done away with. It won't be present in the new heavens and new earth. The Bible tells us that you and I cannot imagine in our wildest dreams what heaven is going to be like, what eternity is going to be like. We cannot begin to fathom the wonderful things that God has prepared for us. God has prepared a home for us. He's building an incredible place for us to live for eternity it's more than you've ever dreamed about. Now, from time to time, I hear people saying, I don't really want to go to heaven. It must be a very boring place. You do not have a clue. This world is just a shadow of what heaven is going to be. If you think this world is interesting, think what heaven is going to be like without all the negativity that's in our world today. And God is capable of far greater things than he's even created in this earth that we're going to experience in the eternal tomorrow. I read a story about a single father. He was raising a son by himself. His wife had passed away when the boy was a baby. And so the father, was he loved to do things with his son. He planned to take his boy to his first picnic. And so they began to plan for this picnic. They began to decide what they were going to take for lunch and get it ready. They got the basket, the picnic basket, blankets, and different things that they were going to need. They packed the car, and they both went to bed. They're going to go for the picnic the next day. The boy was very excited, and he couldn't go to sleep that night. He was tossing and turning. He was so excited about this first picnic he was going to go to with his father. And so... Late at night, he came over to his dad and woke him up and said, Daddy, I'm just so excited I, about this picnic. I can't sleep. And the father just told his son, You know, son, just go back to bed. You need your rest. I need my rest. And tomorrow will come when it's time. And so the boy went back to bed, and the father drifted off to sleep again. A short time later... His son came into his room and woke him up again. And the dad said, son, what's the matter now? And the son said to his father, I just want to thank you for tomorrow. I just want to thank you for tomorrow. Now, how could the father get mad about that? But the boy was so excited. He was thinking about tomorrow. He was just grateful to his father for what he was going to take him to the next day. And you know, your heavenly father has something incredible plan for you in the eternal tomorrow. 
incredible things. Are you excited about it? Have you thanked Him for what He's planned for you? It's far beyond anything that we could dream or imagine in the new heavens and new earth. And if you're confident you're going to such a place, don't you want to take everybody else with you? Because not only is that such a place beyond our wildest imaginations of blessing, of goodness, of wonder, there's another place that's beyond our imagination of torment, of pain and suffering and death and hell. And so it's not a matter just of missing heaven. It's a matter of going to a place that's equally beyond our imagination in the horrible realm versus the wonderful realm. Have you encouraged somebody else about God's plans for their eternity? Because God wants everyone to spend eternity in the new heavens and new earth that He's created for us. God wants the story of our lives to have a happy ending. Because Jesus and His bride are going to live happily ever after. And it's not a fairy tale. That's the truth. Revelation 21 verse 9 says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, which we're not going to talk about this morning, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And so this marriage, the marriage between Jesus Christ and His bride, is going to last forever. Nothing ever is going to come between them as happened in the Garden of Eden. There's not going to be any divorce. There's not going to be any broken relationships. It's going to be wonderful and believers. Those who overcome, because there is no other kind of believers, the book of Revelation says those who overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, will be part of Jesus' bride. And those who are unbelievers, those who do not take advantage of the opportunity that God gives to everyone to believe in Jesus in this life, are going to experience a second death. They're going to die once physically and the second time spiritually. Eternal death separated from God forever. And so Jesus and His bride, as we've already said, are believers of all time. It says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And so again, in the vision that John has, he sees the holy city coming down, the new Jerusalem coming from heaven to earth. And this city will be inhabited by believers of all time. And so we'll see the Old Testament believers, Moses, David, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, we could go on and on, are going to be part of the bride of Christ. We're going to see the New Testament believers, Paul, Peter, James, John, Matthew, list could go on and on. They're going to be there. They're going to be part of the bride of Christ. And believers down through the years, including the believers today and anyone who believes before Jesus comes back in the future, they're all going to be part of Jesus' bride. Those in the Old Testament look forward to a Messiah who was to come, who was Jesus. And those of us today and since then look back to the perfect sacrifice that He made on the cross. The bride is described in the book of Revelation as a great multitude that no one could count. People from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. And this bride is going to be glorious. Verse 11, It's 
speaking of the holy city, shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And so this holy city, Jesus' bride, shines with the glory of God. Every sin, every blemish, every stain of sin has been removed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. The book of Daniel tells us that believers will shine like stars in the universe forever. There'll be no divorce, no problems in this marriage between the lamb and his bride. It's going to be a honeymoon that lasts for eternity. A true story with the best ending possible. A living forever in love with your Creator. Every civilization in human history has believed that we're going to live forever somewhere. The Australian Aborigines thought of heaven as a distant island beyond the horizon that they went to when they died. Peruvians believed that you went to the sun or the moon after you died. Native Americans believed their spirits would continue to hunt the spirits of buffalo after they died. Every civilization somehow had a sense given by God that this life was not all there is. There is something more. The Bible tells us that God has written eternity in the hearts of men. And yet, many of these other ways, many of these other religions did not show people how, or all of them other than Christianity, did not show people how to spend this eternity with with God. Only in God's revelation through Jesus Christ do we discover the way to eternal life by believing in God's Son, Jesus, who is the only one who forgives sin and can restore our relationship with God. And so let's ask God to help each of us to reach out to those around us with this wonderful story. The people you know, the people that do not yet know Jesus, they understand deep down heaven exists. There is an afterlife. And God wants them to get ready. They do not yet know the only way to live happily ever after, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you and I are participants in the greatest love story ever told. Jesus is our hero, and He has conquered sin and death. He's placed... He's placing every enemy under his feet to win us back to himself. And soon Jesus is going to wrap everything up when he returns for the second time. It's coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. And even now, Jesus is preparing a dream home for us, for his bride that's beyond our imaginations. And he's coming soon to take us to himself for this ultimate wedding. And we're going to live forever with Him. Happily ever after. The book of Revelation ends with Jesus Christ Himself saying, Yes, I am coming soon. And the writer of Revelation replies and says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And that should be the cry of our hearts as well. So let's get ready for that ultimate wedding and invite everybody that we know. This morning, are you, let me ask you a question. Are you sure you're part of the bride of Christ? Are you sure that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? 
The first step is to repent and commit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So today, if you're not sure that you're part of the Bride of Christ, if you're not sure that you're a believer, if you're not sure that you have a place in this incredible eternity I've been talking about today, if you're not sure you have an invitation to this wedding banquet, the wedding supper, then I'd encourage you to pray with me. We're going to pray a simple prayer in which we admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things, and that sin is what breaks your relationship with God. That sin needs to be dealt with. And it's dealt with by believing in Jesus, who died on the cross and took the penalty for our sin upon Himself and paid the price so that we might have a relationship with God. And finally, committing your life to following Jesus as your Lord. That's not an optional step. It's a required step. Submitting your life to Jesus to live for Him. So let's bow our heads right now. And we're going to pray. And I'd encourage you, if you've never prayed a prayer like this before, or perhaps you have in the past, but you've wandered away from your commitment to God, I'd encourage you to pray along with me in your own mind as well. Say something like this. Father, today I admit, I've sinned. I've done wrong things. And I know that sin has broken my relationship with you. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, your very son, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took my sin upon himself and paid the price through his death that I might not experience eternal death, but experience eternal life. We thank you that he rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin, Satan, and death, that I might live forever. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior, at doing everything you say, following every instruction of your word. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus, our hero who conquered sin and death, set us free from bondage to sin, and defeated every enemy. We thank you that Jesus is preparing a wonderful home for us in the new heavens and new earth. And we look forward to living happily ever after with him, living happily ever after with you in this incredible, never-ending adventure that you've prepared for those who give their lives to Jesus. Help us to prepare ourselves for this wedding by following your instructions. Help us to encourage others who are going through tough times that the story has a happy ending for everyone who's given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. No matter how difficult things are in this life, it's going to get better for each and every believer. Give us the power, God, to invite many more people to be part of your incredible wedding banquet for those who believe in and love Jesus. Help us to get excited about it and tell others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.